Hello, hello. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Metamorphosis Track Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Edwards, and today I'm going to be uh, going solo on a podcast episode, not just out of uh, indulgence, but out of necessity. Yesterday, my computer broke. It won't turn back on. And because of the current global climate, it's going to take me a little while to get uh, that back up and running. Um, so all these great conversations that I've recorded over the past few weeks, hopefully don't go to waste. But uh, anyway, today I'm actually going to do a, an episode which I should have opened up with, with episode one. And that is, uh, what is my coaching philosophy? Will be the overarching question. And as a part of that is, what is the Metamorphosis Track Project? Because I... Uh, Many people have actually asked me, like, what are you doing? Uh, what is the point? Where's it going? <laughs> all, all these kind of questions. What, who is Franz Kafka? Okay, so there's a, a lot to unpack there. Um, and so as a part of that, and as a part of this podcast, I thought I'll go into my coaching philosophy. But to understand that, I guess I need to introduce myself. Um, I need to know why I've started to go into the coaching ranks. And then, then at that point, we can start to get into what my overarching principles as a coach are because without understanding my background, where I get all my information from, what my experiences are, uh, it's hard to understand how I really got to get to some of the conclusions where I'm, where I'm at currently. So my introduction is that um, my name's Jack Edwards. I'm 25 years old. I'm in my fifth and final year, hopefully of uh, studying an education and international studies degree at UTS, University of Technology, Sydney. The, set, the education is I'm um, doing high school English teaching, hopefully starting next year. And the international studies component was really just something which I added on top because I wanted to go and live overseas for a year. And I was very fortunate to do that last year where I lived in a small town in southwest germany in baden-württemberg called tubingen um and that was just an amazing experience and even if my purpose for going there wasn't to go and refine my coaching philosophy uh it was very much to you know obviously to learn german to explore europe to you know to do all my my studies over there i spent a lot of time by myself and uh when you when you you know living in isolation like some of you may know now for an entire year, I'm not saying I was by myself for a year. That's that's a bit over the top. But I had a lot of time to think to myself, and um, that that has really informed a lot of the things and gave me a great opportunity to learn uh, and explore a lot of ideas. So I'm a teacher. There we go. Why did I start this project? Well. Back in 2018, I was uh, getting coached by Andrew Murphy, who I've mentioned earlier on in uh, the episode with Rowan Browning. And so I was training with Murph, and uh, who's a brilliant coach um, and has a great squad. But at the time, uh, it was I had a year to go until I was going to go on this year-long exchange in Germany. I didn't have enough money, um, so I needed to start working more hours. And so I couldn't actually commit to Murph's training times, but... At the same time, uh, I was also getting hurt a lot. I wasn't able to compete when I really wanted to. And when I reflect upon that, it, a lot of it was out of my own. Uh, I, I wasn't diligent. I wasn't intelligent. And so I really needed to go on this uh, ex exploration, I guess you could say. 
into training because it's something I love. So I, I split off. I had a chat with Murph and he was awesome and supportive about it and still is. And so I've split off and I started training myself. I trained myself for a year when I was still in Australia and I was able to run a PB in my first season as uh, self coaching myself. And then obviously I went into Germany for a year and I'd say about the first half of that year, I, you know, it was summertime, it's beautiful. Every weekend I was taking a 10 euro flight somewhere in, in Europe for the weekend. Um, but definitely, and I was able to do a couple of competitions and stuff, but definitely towards the back end of that experience, the winter time rolled in, fun started to run dry. I had these major projects. So I was start, I was sort of stuck myself in tubing and um, engaged with the community but spent a disgusting amount of time uh, just riding my bike around, walking around this small little German town in the winter, going to the track, going to the gym, um, researching, exploring, uh, as I constantly do. And uh, towards the back end of that experience, I was encouraged by uh, Anthony Collum, who I'm coaching right now, to, to open up and become a coach and help him. And I, I was really excited to do that. Uh, because I want to improve practice of track and field in 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 Australia. I've had a few little glimpses and little tastes into what being a, a coach with success could be like, and it's super in, super intoxicating. I mean, I, I have the education background where I've seen students just improve in an English classroom, and it melts my heart, and I love it. But then I've also had a couple of instances. For example, um, my girlfriend was. Just, uh, at the Commonwealth Games and I was able to live with her in preparation for that and I loved being there for her and seeing her um, compete and kill it at this competition at the Com Games ultimately winning a bronze in rhythmic gymnastics it brought me to tears um, even at a Nationals semi-final when Roman was trying to qualify for the Commonwealth Games um, the triple jump was on so Murph couldn't be there for that warm up, I mean, Roman's a weapon. He's going to get through to the final. So you just needed someone to watch him and I was able to watch him warm up. And I loved being in that testosterone environment. So much going on. And so that, that's, that really inspired me to, to pursue coaching. So I guess that, that, that's the origins of the Metamorphosis Track Project. I needed to split off to make some money, but I also needed to change and... I guess that's where the name comes into it, metamorphosis. And metamorphosis is actually inspired by um, a novel that I studied in English, Year 12 English, by Franz Kafka, who was born in the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the late 1800s. He published a book called Die Verwandlung, which is in German uh, and um, and at the time when I was splitting off and starting to coach myself, I was, I was studying Kafka in a German literature class at university. We did a couple of these texts like uh, Das Hungerkunstler und das Schloss or Ein Hungerkunstler. Um, and I love the way he's so evocative, all these things. And I, I, love, I love the idea of metamorphosis. I think we, we all need to continually undergo metamorphosis. Uh, Bolt went through metamorphosis like, you watch him at Athens change over time to become this phenomenon. Uh, LeBron went through metamorphosis. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. You know, I watch Avatar, the last airbender Zuko goes through metamorphosis 
uh, Jamie Lannister went through metamorphosis. It's so, I love, I love change. I love the, that people can change. It's so empowering. And so hence the name metamorphosis occurs. Metamorphosis by Kafka is actually, I don't even think it's relevant <laughs> to what I believe in because essentially metamorphosis by Kafka is just, it's a short book uh, where a man wakes up one day is in German, it's described as like a, an, an atrocious vermin, but essentially in, in the English um, interpretation or the translation, this guy wakes up as a, a cockroach, like a, a human sized cockroach. And he, for the most part, it's set in his room. And so he wakes up and he can't roll out of bed because he's, he's a cockroach on his back and he's never been in a cockroach body. And even in that first day of him being a, a human sized cockroach, he's just lying there contemplating things about his life, like his job and his boss and all these things. It's, uh, it's worth a read. I don't know what you're going to get out of it. I got my Nana to read it. She didn't understand it and I don't think it's meant to be understood. But anyway, I love metamorphosis. I would say that metamorphosis would be at the, uh, the baseline of my pyramid because I think that uh, no one, no one should be immune from becoming better it's uh, I love it. So I guess that'd be number one of my overarching principles, but the real overarching principles, I've got three of them and uh, I'm just going to go into how it is actually reflected in my practice. So I'd say the first principle that I have uh, is joy. Joy is a, an overarching principle. It sounds a bit soft. It sounds a little bit silly, but let me, let me explain. So when you look back at your schooling experiences, you often performed really well at the classes in which you enjoyed. And so you might, that, that enjoyment may have stemmed from uh, the teacher being just a legend, being a really inspiring person, or it may also be uh, because you inherently enjoy the subject matter. So if you were good at, if you really enjoyed maths, you'd put more time into it. You'd be more engaged in the classroom. If you didn't like maths, like I didn't, um, it was like the only class in which when I look back on it, I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a drop kick. Um, and maybe that could have been bettered by having a better teacher. I don't want to throw her on the bus or maybe I just don't like maths. It's just, all, it's all a part of it. Another thing which I listened to recently was a podcast, by, which included Steve Kerr in it. And one of the things that he so heavily emphasizes his joy. And I look, I look at him as a bit of a coaching inspiration as well, even if he's coaching a team sport. Um, and when I watched the Warriors, so Steve Kerr coached the Golden State Warriors basketball team in the NBA. When I watched the Warriors, particularly between 2014 to 2017, 2016, they played with so much joy. They were singing Coco by Genesis, I think. You know, in, the, in their private jets <laughs> and Steph Curry was just uh, uninhibited imagination and they won so much. They won 73 games in a single season. They played with joy. Uh, they enjoyed being around each other. And I think that's so important to having successful outcomes. That's something that I consider is very important. Joy um also heightens consistency um and i'll go into again to how this reflects practice joy can help foster brilliant culture joy uh in a competition setting 
I think oftentimes people compete when they're full of joy. And so the, these are, and then, and then if, if you, if you train with joy, you know, firstly, that's how we got into it as kids, how we got into sport is through pure enjoyment. And if you train with joy as your, as one of your overarching arching principles, then it actually becomes an essential component in your life. So if you were to strip away this, this component of your life, you leave yourself void of something extremely important. And I think it's quite easy to lose sight of why you're doing it in the first place. So joy is an overarching principle. And this is something which I learned through all of my mentors. So Vera, uh, Vera was my hurdles coach when I was 17. She was an old Ukrainian lady who passed away a few years ago. And even if she was brought up in this Soviet system and, I can't imagine what her history and her life may, must have been like um, at that point in history. But she, she, although she was blunt and honest, she would happily pinch your side, hand, you know, your love handles if you're a bit overweight. Uh, she would treat everyone with such compassion and allow these, this group of young adults, these men, just to joke around and smile and encourage that and... <laughs> when I saw her coach me and she, she couldn't speak English that well, she would, she would go and do hurdle drills, for example, and she would do it with a big smile on her face. She truly loved what she was doing. She loved being with that group. And, and as a result, and you foster this, this culture in a training environment, which holds you accountable to keep coming back. And then over time, coming back, coming back, coming back, improvement, improvement, running gets better. And what, what happened is that, you know, Vera ended up coaching national champions, Olympic finalists like Steve Solomon, Justin Molino. Um, that's something I've really learned from Vera is you need to enjoy it. With Murph, some of my fondest memories of being in the gym and just cranking the tunes up, laughing and going for it, really digging in in competitive and, and joyful manner. Oftentimes Murph would, <laughs> you would see one of the young schoolboys bench pressing, for example, and Murph, I don't know, he's in his early forties now, would just go in and just bench press like 10 or 20 kilos heavier than what that, that kid was bench pressing just for shits and gigs. And you could just see the cheeky smile on his face. And I think it really, um, it goes a long way to do things with joy. Again, I'm going to practice after. First overarching principle, joy. Second overarching pr principle is mastery. So mastery. What this means is that you need to become a, a PhD in your sport. Technique needs to underpin all your practice. So uh, this is, again, something that I learned from Vera and actually my first hurdles coach, Julska. So with Julska, I... All I did was technique because when I started hurdling with Jilska, uh, I, it was more like an after-school care situation when my dad had to keep working and there was a hurdles coach at the school, so I just stayed and hurdled. So I actually learnt hurdles technique for three years prior to even competing in the sport. And so I was still able to get very good I, – I, the first year that I started competing, I won a bronze medal. The the state title and that was just purely based off technique <laughs> and I was not like a sublime athlete you know I, I wasn't even running the 100 meters 
for the school at our CAS championships. Um, but technique led me there. And then over and over and over again, that's, that was reaffirmed when I went and went to start training with Fira. Everything was dealt with in such a conscious and detailed approach. So I would be doing these walking drills where I think a lot of coaches would overlook some of the details of way of seemingly meaningless drills were completed, but she was able to find meaning in them by making sure that we mastered the technique of exactly what we're doing. Uh, along with mastery <laughs> comes, you know, more than just in the training setting, but uh, also in competition. It's like that's ultimately the end result of, uh, and the expression of what we're doing is competition. So are we able to execute? Are we able to um, understand the ins and outs of all the scenarios? I mean, it, it may be, I think people may not consider the 100 meters to have a strategic component to it, but it absolutely does. And we need to master the race because uh, ultimately that's how we're going to succeed our best. So mastery, mastery is my second overarching principle. And my third and final overarching principle is readiness. What readiness needs to means to me is that health needs to be prioritized. So if we're not healthy, we can't run, can't train, can't compete, can't do what we love. Therefore, we can't get joy. It all snowballs. Uh, readiness to train on any given day. Um, readiness to compete. It also means that very rarely should you go overboard with your training to the point where it means you're not ready in the, in the, in the near future. So readiness is a very simple one for me. Now, as a part of that also is to be ready, I think it requires a sufficient amount of strength as well. Uh, a strong athlete doesn't get hurt as much. But we'll go into that now. So it's like how, how do all these, these three overarching principles of joy, mastery, and readiness it's very weird for me to encompass my entire belief into those three. How do those three overarching principles reflect my practice? So again, I've got three points here. I, I mean, it's a starting point to explain what I believe in. Um, and that, that means that from a practical standpoint for my sprinters, we're training short to long. So when we're training short to long in my head, what that means is that we are, uh, prioritizing good technique without running in the past i've trained mostly long to short and what that meant is that within say for example for those who aren't sprinters long to short would mean that you run long repetitions of running and then as you get closer to competition start to run short repetitions so you might go from running 300 meter efforts a, uh, a lot of tempo running and then 300s become 200s, become 150s, yada, yada. To me, the technique that is used in long running efforts is almost irrelevant to the way in which we're going to sprint at 100 meters. So there we go, short to long. An example of this, even if, so I think people can think short to long may be sort of like an easy way out, like we're just skipping lactic or something. But an example of a session which one of my athletes did last week ended up being like three sets of four uh, 10 meter flies with a 40 meter build-in. So he ends up doing 12 50 meter runs and that's so demanding, but of course it's not at maximum 10 meter fly intensity. 
the rest periods are shorter, still gets the work in, but those 1250 meters, that's 600 meters of total, total distance. And that 600 meters looked sexy. It looked like technique that I wanted to look like. So that's the mastery component. Then you've got the joy component because sprinters want to sprint. Sprinters don't want to go. <laughs> sprinters don't want to run 400 meters. Sprinters want to run 300 meters. Sprinters want to uh, throw the hammer down. <laughs> and, you know, it's like the Tony Holler thing of, you know, feed the cats, let, let sprinters sprint. I don't want to kill them with lactic. Um, I'll lose engagement. When I trained myself, I tried going long to short in my first year because that's all that I knew. I started out, I was doing like 300 meter reps. I did it for three weeks, realized that I lost engagement. I lost intent. The quality of the work went down and I didn't end up doing it anyway. So uh, what's something that I can just keep coming back to and loving while still getting the adaptations that I really want? Let's go more repetitions of shorter distances that look like sprinting, feel like sprinting, can still hurt you in the bum in a really satisfying way. And then the final part of this is that hopefully there's no overuse injuries. Um, as a result, uh, one of my athletes, he told me some of the sessions that he was doing, for example, like 16, 200 meters. What is that? What is that? That is overkill. That is not sprinting. That's just, uh, if, you're, if you're running those volumes, you should be like an 800 meter runner. Um, yes. Second part of this is that I think that we should uh, all compete quite frequently. So this goes into all three parts of my overarching principle, joy. Competing is fun. Uh, we should, if you're anxious to compete, uh, maybe you should compete more often to become more comfortable in that environment. You'll end up enjoying it. The mastery component is that you actually, be, you actually get good at your event. You don't just get good at training for your event. Um, you never really know how good you are at your event until you get a time. You can run, uh, for example, in the past, I've run very fast 60-meter splits, had no translation to what my actual performance in a 100-meter race was because even if I was fast, I, wasn't, I, I was a good runner, but I wasn't actually a good 100-meter sprinter. Uh, and also, if you compete often, it, it implies that you're ready frequently. It means if you're competing, you're healthy. Um, you have to learn how to be ready by creating plans prior to competition. You learn how to taper all these things. Competing frequently is so important. The final part I want to say about competing frequently is that it's so rare for people to finish their sprint and say, I wish that I did like more top speed or I wish I did more lactate training or I wish I did X, Y, Z. It's more like I wish I didn't come up so quickly in that start or like I wish I was able to, uh, hit the board better. I wish, <laughs> I wish I could feel better on competition day. I wish I didn't feel like shit when I'm about to compete. So getting good at competing, compete frequently. Third sort of way to, to put all these overarching pr principles into practice is autonomy. And so I think that um, when I, when I started this off season with my guys, I gave them pretty much all the same program, but we're only like a bunch of weeks in and now literally all of them are on different programs because they, because they find different things and joyful <laughs> and joyful. They find <laughs> different things more joyful. Um, they find that there is, there are different things to 
different technical components which they require to master. And if they they also find that they respond differently, so they're gonna it's gonna affect their readiness or their health. Okay, so that first thing is like exercise selection is joy, or the running distance is joy. Then they're gonna be more engaged, and also oftentimes I think the athlete just knows best. So in the gym, okay, given all the track examples in the gym, I want a guy to back squat. But he's like, oh, I don't know, it doesn't really feel that good on my back. Can I um, do a Bulgarian split squat instead with dumbbells? Absolutely. Like, you know, it's just a knee dominant exercise. It's general. We can get it done. Or an athlete is like, oh, I really like lactate work. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't know if it's the right time of the year to do it, but you love it. Um, and so it's like, how can I fit that in for him? It's going to keep him coming back. He's finding joy in it. It makes him feel good. Uh, it's good feedback loop. Um, or they're like, I, I don't really think this exercise is relevant for me because I need to work on, I need to work on my pelvis position. What can we do to, to do that? And I'm like, okay, let's do that. So autonomy. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty weird to uh, put all my, philosophies out there so yeah overarching principles of joy mastery and readiness the way that's actioned is is that we compete frequently we are training short to long and there's a high degree of autonomy in our training um in our training profile and that i'm i'm really happy with that because it's taken it's taken me a long time to come to these principles and not only that it's taken me even longer to find a way to action them because I've always believed in joy. I've always believed in mastery and I've always believed in readiness. But when I reflect upon what I was doing, it, it very rarely ref reflected on those overarching principles. I wasn't doing anything that I actually inherently enjoyed. I only was doing it because I thought I needed it. I wasn't actually doing anything to work on my technique. I was going through the motions. I was doing all that I'd ever known. And readiness, I was so off the ball with that. I had to foam roll my legs for hours <laughs> to feel ready. I, had to, I was often injured. I wasn't ready for a season despite working very hard. So I had to undergo metamorphosis in these three components to get myself to a point where I feel comfortable to coach and to get myself to a point where I'm comfortable to put my ideas out into the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, I'm not sure if it's a ramble, if it makes sense, but I've, I've received some very lovely messages over the last few weeks where people are enjoying this podcast, which always... <laughs>